0: gremlins, dinosaurs, the Ewoks, and Star Trek all this week on the program as I talk to Kirk R. Thatcher. This is the Ron Pertee Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This week we have Kirk R. Thatcher. you may remember him as the punk on a bus in Star Trek 4. Yes, that's the one with the whales. Uh, also, what do we got going on? Oh, so much to talk about that we probably won't talk about because I'm trying so hard to stay apolitical. If you want to see me at my most political, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Real Ron uh, I just got done tweeting the, the Trump press conference, which was a laughable event, to say the very least. Um. Wow, so much stuff going on. Uh, next week on the program, a little uh, heads up: we're going to have an like an all news episode where I'm going to comment on some things that are going on, and uh, it's it's going to be a fun fun time, I think. Uh, but I'm not going to keep you guys from uh, from anything cool. Why do I do that? Kirk, uh, Kirk is a great guy, and we had a lot of fun talking. And a lot of insight, he did a couple of impressions from some of the characters he's done, and uh, I, I, things I had not known he told me about himself and David Fincher. So if you're a movie guy and you like David Fincher, this is something you need to listen to. So we'll be right back with Kirk Thatcher here on the Ron Petit Show. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. For a 30 day trial and free audiobook, head to audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show. That's audibletrial.com slash Ron Show for your 30 day trial and free audiobook today. All right, everybody, we're back, and uh, I'd like to welcome to the program right now um, the man who, um, when he passes, no matter what he does on his headstone, it will say punk on a bus. Mr. Kirk Thatcher, thank you so much for being on the show,
1: sir. That's my audience I brought with me.
0: Oh, hey, hello, folks.
1: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted want to sound impressive. Um, <laughs> hi. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. Yes.
0: Yeah, so now you, uh, your, wow. I, I actually had to do research. Because I know that you were, because I know that you're, you have touched on a, a ton of things and I didn't want to skim over anything.
1: Yeah. You know, I, could, I, wanted... I could just have my own convention. It'd be Star Wars, Star Trek, Muppets, Gremlins. Um, I, you know, we just have Kirk
0: And then you could have like the, the couple of weirdos who are like, Hey man, you worked on house.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, those are the deep, yeah. Those are the guys who are deep fans. Yeah. You know, you can add a bunch of other stuff and, um, you did and miniatures then, on
0: uh, Robocop too, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> I think the trick would be it would be like ten thousand dollars a ticket, so with the only the five people that show up I'll still make enough money to make it worthwhile.
0: Now uh, being that it is the holidays, or well mm-hmm. this is up after the holidays, but that it is the holiday season. Um uh, and Gremlins so, yeah, Gremlins is a holiday movie. Uh what you were on the creature crew, what exactly did that mean?
1: Well, I built, I, uh, Chris Wallace and I had been friends. He actually, it's interesting. He hired me to work on Jedi and then he left Lucasfilm. So I went up when I was 18, I was almost 19. I interviewed when I was 18 years old, got the job. And when I went back like six weeks later, Chris had left to start his own shop, but I was still, you know, on the crew, one of the first crew members who wasn't already an ILM employee hired for the creature shop on Jedi so I did Jedi and then you know stayed friends with Chris we, we were became fishing buddies because I love fishing and he loved fishing so we'd go fishing on the weekends when we could when uh production on Jedi wasn't insane And then we went back when we went to post-production it was thinner he and I'd go fishing a lot and then he landed the a couple jobs and then got gremlins so uh, ILM was kind of quiet in the creature shop that year I think it was like 83 late 82 early 83 Jedi was done so I went over and started on uh, gremlins and uh, in the beginning, when we were designing and stuff, uh, the more creative stuff I got to do was design their paint jobs. We did, I did three or four different paint schemes, and then we, uh, you know, they were tests, and all the bigwigs approved the one that we all liked. And uh, I designed their eyes and what their eyes looked like. I mean, Chris designed the Gremlins, but I kind of figured out because you know there were sketches and a little maquette made, but then to figure out the paint job and, and more importantly, figure out how to do it. So we could make, I mean, I think ultimately we made like two or 300 gremlins. I mean, some of them were specific for shots to do a certain thing, but the paint job had to be not only matchable, but then repeatable by someone else. Cause I, could, I wasn't going to sit there and paint all 300 of them. So I had to not only design a, the colors and the paint scheme, but then also how to do it, you know, in like five easy steps. <laughs> um, so you could make as many of them as we did. Uh, and then I just ended up running, you know, running a, uh, gremlin parts and bodies doing mold making and painting and then um, i left uh before production started because i didn't want to be stuck in a mold room with all those horrible chemicals uh for the rest of my life and so i left gremlins but then and moved back to la and started um and then worked on set i did puppeteering for a few weeks in the big crowd scenes i was one of the puppeteers so i got to do a little bit of everything on it um, so that's what it says when it, when it, which we all did. I think everyone on the show who built Gremlins uh, ended up puppeteering them, or most everybody uh, down in LA at the Warner Brothers lot. So it was a great, really fun job. And then the bonus for me was because I became friends with uh, Joe Dante and Mike Fennell, who were the director and producer, respectively. Uh, I got to do voices on Gremlins too,
0: which was my next question, actually. Um, what, well, any, any specific gremlins we could, you know, go yeah, and be like, hey, yeah. that's you!
1: Yeah, there's two or three of them. Uh, the electricity gremlin is all me, um, and some sound effects, but that's me going, bah, 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 bah. That's That was me. And, Ladies and um, gentlemen,
0: the electricity gremlin's here on the program. Let's give them a big <laughs> round of applause.
1: It was those two sounds. It was the what I call the electrical buzz, which was, bah, bah, And then, um, the uh, kind of the voice, if you will, was... So they kind of blended those together and made that hideous sound. Um, so you're I the did... reason all
0: the gremlins die at the end. Spoiler alert. Yeah, ha- if you that, haven't seen...
1: Also the last, I'm the last gremlin you see. I'm the femlin, the female gremlin. Oh. It was, it was basically me just doing like a gravelly Miss Piggy, like... <laughs> basically, that's all I'm doing is, is kissy noises. Um, and then I did... Um, Uh, George, who was the one that looked like Edward G. Robinson, there were Lenny and George. Lenny looked like um, kind of Mortimer McSnerd, uh, Mortimer Snurd, and that was uh, Mark Dodson, who was kind of the, you know, the buck teeth. But then Joe Dante and I traded off doing George. Again, he didn't really open his mouth. He was just going, so we did bad Edward G. Robinson voices, and then, uh, then just tons of, you know, just gremlin wallah. I mean, and and it was fun because it was it was uh, Mark Dodson, as I mentioned, who had done a lot of the Gremlins in the first one. Um, actually, the original three Gremlin voices were Mark, Howie, and Howie Mandel, sorry, and um, Frank Welker. And then I came in for uh, Gremlins 2. They all the Gremlins 1. I did not do voices on 1. But I came in on 2 to fill out, because they had so many. And then, obviously, Tony Randall did Brain Gremlin. And then Joe Dante would jump in and, and fill in. So... But what was fun about it, and I think I've said this in a couple other interviews, is you would either do a low gremlin again for the the general Gremlin walla, you'd either do a low gremlin, which was the <laughs> that kind of gibberish. Right. And then there was the high kind of <laughs> Well the so, low
0: the low gremlin kinda of almost sounds like Yosemite Sam in a way.
1: Yeah, I mean and I'm sure the guys, Mark Mangini and his his sound crew would, you know, mess with what we did. But yeah, that was um that was part of it was uh uh, sounding like uh, <laughs> rough and tough cartoon characters. I now, guess. back in Gremlins one,
0: uh, mm-hmm. real quick, you were in the Creature Shop and all that. Did uh, did you have the uh, task of doing, or anybody near you have the task of making Billy Peltzer's mom's head from the original script?
1: <laughs> no, I did not. Uh... Uh, I don't think that ever, you know I don't know if we made that, um, but no, I was not involved with that. I did spend about three or four days, <laughs> I would say jokingly, uh, <laughs> between Phoebe Case's legs with, with a gremlin on each hand in the bar scene. If you see the movie, there's when she's behind the bar, that was a big group scene. I was basically behind the counter right in front of her. So my nose was in her belly button, <laughs> um, you know, doing gremlins around her, which was fun. She was very sweet. And actually I saw her. About six years ago, and so it had been about twenty odd years since we'd made Gremlins, I guess, or even longer, almost thirty years. Um, and she was still just as sweet and nice as, as and and claimed to remember me, although I don't know. How do you true.
0: forget when someone's face is in your belly button?
1: Yeah, it's true. Well, we, you know, it's tight quarters, and, and she put up with a lot. But uh, anyway, you, you you have you are
0: now the envy of any teenage boy who's seen fast times at Ridgemont High so many times that they wore the tape out in that specific spot. She was wearing clothes.
1: It wasn't that exciting. And yeah. and I remember I had two gremlins on my on my <laughs> hands was trying to watch a monitor, make sure my head didn't pop in a shot or that they stayed right in frame. So it, it wasn't as romantic as it sounds.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to romanticize it for everybody else. You guys just oh, go there ahead. You go. And, yeah. There you can you go. do what
1: you do with that. Imagine what you will with that. But, uh, it was very G-rated.
0: <laughs> G rated Gremlin is a euphemism for something else. Um, Yes. Moving on. <laughs> yes, moving on. Uh, now, when it comes to now, you just did the uh, the pigs in space reboot that they're doing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't find the second episode. I only saw the alien one. Then, well,
1: it's weird. They told me they were launching two of them, and I guess they're doing it every week. I'm not sure. They they like I, I always joke. I'm the last to know. I just direct, wrote and directed it. Um, but you know, Disney's a very large company, and they move in mysterious ways. And Disney owns the Muppets, and the Muppets are a very you know small division within that very large company. And so I only found out because I re- uh, read, about it on Facebook. I'm like, Oh my God, they're launching, uh, the pigs in space. And I was told they're going to launch two. So I, was, I put out the word that two were coming. And I think the next one launches tomorrow, which is Friday, the uh, 16th. But, um, I probably that'll, that'll be, people will be listening to this after the fact, but, uh, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, there'll at least be two online. We made, uh, four or six. And it was almost two years ago now, so I can't even remember. But uh, the nice thing is I wrote uh, – they were all kind of based on ideas I had. And Jim Lewis, who's the Muppet writer, wrote them with me. But um, I got to kind of pick the sci- – I'm a huge sci-fi fan. And and uh, and um, so we make fun of a number of sci-fi tropes. The first one is Alien. I think the second one they're going to launch, uh, we, we – uh, well, maybe it'll have launched by now. So – you, you you'll know the secret, but it, I think the one they're going to show is we make fun of the movie Gravity, which was oh when man we, when we had when we had when we filmed it and when I wrote it, Gravity had been out for like two months, so now it's been two years, but uh, still it's pretty funny and making weightless jokes with Miss Piggy, uh, you know you can do that for
0: <laughs> yes you can so yeah
1: so that's fun um uh, yeah and anyway we had fun with that. So hopefully, uh, I didn't want look. I wrote a Muppets in Space movie, which was a riff on Pigs in Space, twenty years ago, and Disney was gonna make it. And then Henson did their contract with Sony, changed their distribution deal or their pick negative pickup deal, whatever it was, uh, to do movies with Sony. So uh, instead, they made Muppets and or they made a uh, uh, Muppets in Space, or sorry, Muppets from Space uh and they actually came to me they said we want to use your title muppets in space for what was originally called star gonzo oh, um boy. and uh, jerry Jewell had written the original script and then joey mazzarino took over and then 50 different writers worked on it i think actually literally 20 writers when when there's more than one or two writers that aren't a team on a writers guild sanctioned script um the guild does what they call arbitration and they remember i got the letter saying All these are all these are the people named who wrote on this script. And I didn't even know two thirds of them. There were literally 17 to 19 names. And you have to say whether you claim ownership, like you want your name on the on the in the credits and you have to prove, you know, look, I wrote 60 pages and they used 20 of them or I wrote, you know, 400 lines of dialogue and they used 80 of them, whatever it is. Um, But I only think about three or four people went to, you know, obviously, Jerry Jewell who wrote the original script. And um, I don't even remember now who got credit. I think Jerry and Joey, I believe, were, were, were credited, but I don't remember who else. Uh, but yeah, that was a long, long process. But anyway, my, uh, my film got dinged, but they wanted to use my title. I said, well, you can't call it Muppets in space because they never go in space. You can call it Muppets... I sort of flippantly said, well, you call it Muppets from space, but that's giving away the movie. And they ended up using it I'm like, okay, well, I, I think <laughs> that, I love uh... science fiction. I wanted, I wanted to do Muppet genre, my, my thing. And I know a lot of the fans disagree with me, but they, they want to see the Muppets, you know, today living, working, doing what I said, but we've seen that in the new Muppet show provided that like, Oh, here you go. Here they are with human problems in the human world. And I just think it's kind of, I think to me it's a little drab, and it misses the fun of it. So I want to do genre pictures. So Jim Lewis and I have written – I wrote a space movie, Muppets in Space, which was sort of like Pigs, Pigs in Space Expanded, and then uh, written a, a Western. And I, we've written a, two or three ha- Halloween versions, a Haunted House movie, a Haunted Castle movie, a, <laughs> a two TV special versions. So I, I think we should do genre pictures, because I, I th- like Christmas Carol and Treasure Island um, where we take a, a classic, either a classic story or a classic, um, genre and skewer it, uh, much like Monty Python, if Monty Python kept going, you know, after life of Brian and Holy Grail, um, I, I think that's the most fun to do with them because you don't have to explain too much to the audience, what the world is, they get it. And then it's just, you can have fun. And cause I think Muppet movies are romps. They're are I could probably talk for an hour about this, but I think they're a large event picture where you don't have to spend you know 100 million dollars i mean we the, the tv movies i did were for always 10 or less and we did wizard of oz with puppets and a musical so uh, you don't need to spend 60 70 million dollars i think to have fun and i think if you do spend 60 or 70 it better but be, you better knock it out of the park or if you spend 10 to 20 you can just have fun with it and then you're pretty much going to make your money back no matter what because you know the core audience will go see pretty much anything fun the Muppets do that doesn't, you know, break with canon. And I think that's the other thing, is Miss Piggy and Kermit have been married and unmarried, and are they going to get married or are they dating for, for 40 years? To me, I, I'm just kind of over it. I either like, let them get married <laughs> or not. But right, uh, they, right. they keep like, oh, are they going to get married? Is she going to marry someone else? I'm like, oh, my God, really? Like, I don't think – I mean, I think the fans love it, but I think to expand the group, you got to get out of like – because I don't think the general public – care so much at this point it's like well either married or not but move on
0: oh definitely it's like well, it's like the, the the friends the friends thing you know will they won't they it's just like i'm so tired of it just i want but, but I wanna... that's
1: seven seven or eight years this is 40 years yeah
0: now. that's that's i think at this
1: point it's like okay we get it they're either they're forever going to be that which is fine too i mean um you know they're always going to have a romantic tension which is great because that's what's fun about piggy and kermit um but you know, in the old Muppet Show, I mean, she would flirt with everybody—Bob Hope, you know, any Sylvester Stallone. She was always she was a brazen hussy, which I think is more fun than like just pining for Kermit all the time. But anyway, no, that's I, my soapbox, I will get off of it now. No, I <laughs>
0: totally, I totally agree with you. It gets like when I walk, I, I, I was one of the people who enjoyed the Muppet Show when it came back on ABC, but I got kind of tired of the whole like, oh, so I, I've seen them have human problems you know what i mean right. and there were right. little things that were like oh it's cool to see animal play drums of dave grohl you know and right. and, and stuff like that That's but
1: hard. yeah but after, and after at they, the end of the day the celebrity cameos are always a ton of fun and the celebrities have a blast and it makes for great you know memes and and um web things but at the end of the day you you to me the show I wasn't involved at all. I had very good friends. I mean, you know, I pretty much knew everybody who worked on it really well. Um, I thought it, for me, again, this is just my opinion, but I have one and I'm somewhat entitled to it, um, having worked with the Muppets for 30 odd years, uh, oh, yeah. and, and they were, most of them were pretty odd those years, uh, uh, was that it missed, it lacked silliness. It lacked kind of the goofy silliness that, and and, and it trucked a little too much with, Kind of drab or, or tawdry human problems like bad breakups and 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 I I think the Very often in comedy writers rooms have been having been in, in them and, and being a comedy writer uh, What we always say is conceptually, it's funny, but in we were talking about this earlier. It's a funny idea but does it gonna Play funny or is it gonna be sort of like I like uncomfortable humor, right? which the British do so well. I mean, I think most of British comedy is that sort of awkward, like, Oh yes. All right. I mean, look at Ricky Gervais. That's his entire career is making people uncomfortable. Either the character he's playing or the people around you or the audience with the Muppets. I think there's a sweetness about them that if, if you're uncomfortable because someone's being an idiot or goofy, but if uncomfortable because someone's being a jerk and, and they started being jerks, you know, Kermit was asking his ex what he should get his current girlfriend. And, you know, I know guys can be that way, but, do you really want Kermit to be that big? I mean, because he's kind of beloved because he is sort of sweet and thoughtful, not because he's like uh, kind of a, a, a dunderhead. You know, Pepe, I totally would buy, would be doing that. I mean, Pepe would pretty much ask his ex-girlfriend or ex-wife, would she go ring shopping for his new thing? You know, he oh, doesn't yeah. get it. But I think Kermit, to do that, to me, just sort of suddenly made them kind of had a dark, ugly side, which I didn't I'd enjoy. But again, you know. Who am I?
0: Well, this is the guy that this is the guy that's saying rainbow connection for God, for God's sake, you know. And you're gonna and he's gonna sit there and ask his ex, ex what he should be getting his current
1: girlfriend. And again, I don't think the show was com- yeah, I don't think the show was completely mishandled at all. I just think it it kind of balanced too far in the real world, real problems. You know, uh, you know, at some point, was Fozzie gonna get diabetes or something? And you're like, <laughs> oh, no. You know what I mean? I mean, we did that in the world without Kermit, and I think that was. In uh, Very Merry Muppet Christmas, which was a take on, you know, the, it's a wonderful life. Like, what if Kermit had never existed? And we kind of played the dark side of you like know, Scooter was a go go boy dancer at a club, and <laughs> Beaker was all roided out, you know, on steroids. And and it's fun to play that in the world that never really existed or could have existed, but to bring that into the real world suddenly goes, oh, you know. But um anyway, the good news is we're, we're you know, I'm working with the, the Muppet people to hopefully develop some new stuff. And, and they finally launched Pigs in Space, which I think um, was good.
0: Uh, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was... Uh,
1: thank you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a good idea. I, didn't, I wasn't tooting my own horn there, but um, but I didn't think it was good. I wrote it and directed it, so... <laughs> you're a little uh, biased. I, I obviously have to have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, you're a little biased. Well, silly. And, and, and Pepe just... I love Pepe. I, I actually have developed a, a couple ideas of shows featuring Pepe, which are in various stages of not getting made. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I just think he's – I always said we needed a Daffy Duck back when we were do, developing Muppets Tonight where he came out of. I said we need our Daffy Duck. We need a completely selfish jerk who's funny because he's just unforgivably selfish. He doesn't care. He He's not – the other Muppets have gotten so sweet and thoughtful, which is fine. But somebody has to drive the engine of you know just destroy. They can't all just be oh bad thing happened because you know Fozzie was forgetful or, or you know uh, is an idiot or Bunsen made a mistake. Um, so I, I love Pepe and I, and Bill Beretta is just amazing and so fun to work with. And he even in this pigs in space thing, the give me kisses was his ad lib, which just floors everybody. I mean it's the it's the. You know and, and i'm i'm, I'm re- regretfully giving him the kudos because I, you know i wrote it but he ad-libbed the funniest line in it which is "I'm
0: hey, a baby give me kisses
1: i just you know kills me still and i mean people on you know quoting it just that's the line that that slays him and uh so it's great i mean that's the great thing about the mump it's like working with monty python as a writer director the the collaboration and those guys know those characters so well and think in character and and so they just you know it's that 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 final 2% that makes it, you know, gold as opposed to really, really shiny brass. um, They always bring it. And uh, it's like any good actor, they're thinking in character, you know? So those moments come in the moment as opposed to let's sit around a table and brainstorm, which, you know, works too, but that it's that icing that, that I think brings them, brings them alive Mm -hmm. and makes them seem more real than just a puppet show.
0: Now you've worked with so many puppets in in the past. You've worked on, on dinosaurs, yeah. Uh, which is uh, a lot. Of, believe it or not, people, uh, when I mention that show and I say the not the mama thing, they still don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I don't know why. Really? That's, uh, yeah.
1: yeah I, I guess I get the fans because uh, I, I that's the last thing I worked on with Jim Henson. He and I were creating that when he passed away, sadly, and so um, I got to uh, you know do all that work. Uh, it kind of fresh off his memory, uh, designing the show and, and creating the characters, and that was. And that is a big puppet show. It's funny. People, some people think it's animation, the claim. I've had people ask me if it was claymation, but yeah, no, it was, a uh, uh, guys in costumes and puppets.
0: So would you say was, di- was dinosaurs like a, a kind of a bittersweet thing for you then since you were developing them? Well, it, was, them it, it
1: was crazy. Jim had just passed. We literally, the last time I saw him was on a Friday we had a lunch meeting and then we sat around and just, you know, shot the breeze and went over some drawings I had done. It was like my second pass. I'd done the first that after our meeting like a week, two weeks earlier. I'd flown to New York to meet with him about it. We had lunch and then hung out on a Friday afternoon. And then he said he was going to go visit his cousins, I think in Baltimore, I forget. I remember he was getting on a plane on Saturday. And then I stayed in New York through the weekend, flew home on a Monday and then Tuesday morning, I believe it was, or Wednesday morning, I went literally the day after I got home the morning at like five, six in the morning, I got a call saying Jim just passed away. And I'm like, well, that doesn't mean he was in it. I thought he was in a car accident or something like how else... Would you have lunch with somebody three or four days earlier, and then find out he, you know, died of a terminal illness? It didn't make any sense. Um, but yeah. So, but then the, you know, then Brian took over. So we're all getting to know Brian, and 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 the whole company was sort of it was such a crazy time that it 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 wasn't really bittersweet. I mean, it was obviously sad, tremendously sad about Jim's passing. But then we hit the ground running with dinosaurs. I mean, literally. You know, two months later, we pitched it, sold it, and and I think that summer I was staying in his house in England, in in Hampstead, this beautiful house across the street from the Creature Shop in London, and uh, I'm there, you know, trying to (laughs) build like ten full size dinosaurs costumes and you know six puppets that you know we started shooting again like four months later. So there wasn't a lot of time to be, uh, you know, rend our hair and moan and wail. It was more like holy cow. What a, what a great thing to be working on something that he really believed in, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying, it wasn't, we weren't walking around kicking our, you know, feet in the ground going, oh, poor me. It was just like, oh, gosh, holy cow. No, I, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I understand. I, I, I turned to the producer and went, oh, God, what if we actually, what if we, oh, when they, I think they almost bought in the room, but it, they bought it very quickly. It was ABC. And and I remember looking at uh, Martin Baker, the the producer at the time, and Alex Rockwell was development exec, and said, "Holy cow! What we you know? Now we have to actually make this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we'd never done anything that size. We'd done the Ninja Turtles, and well, I guess for movies we had, or the company had. I didn't work on Dark Crystal or Labyrinth, but to do it every week, that was the kind of the the amazing thing of Dinosaurs. We turned it into a production." A weekly production, which we, I remember Joe Dante. They talked to him about directing the pilot, and I remember them saying, "Look, we got to shoot this in five days." I mean, not the pilot because you know they're figuring it out, but but Joe was like, "You'll never shoot this. You'll, it'll take seven to nine days. It'll it'll never. It's just there's too many things that can go wrong with with you know creatures." And uh, I remember the last season we shot every episode in five days, which was kind of remarkable considering the amount of of uh, technology and technical aspects to a show where every character, you know, was was controlled by radio-controlled or you know cabled motors, uh, and but in a sitcom kind of format. So nah. yeah, so that yeah, dinosaurs, and then I worked on shows that either didn't get made or didn't last very long. Uh, there was a show we pitched, we sold NBC about family of cockroaches living with a guy in New York. Um, there was a show, Aliens in the Family, that um, Andy Borowitz uh, uh, created with Henson company and I designed the characters for uh which didn't which I think lasted about five or six episodes um and then Muppets Tonight happened and then that was a whole and then at that point I was strictly writing and producing I just des- I worked on the design uh aspect creating characters but mostly was writing on, on that uh and then started directing in the late 90s early 2000s
0: now I have a uh, kind of a weird question for you. That's all right. I probably
1: have a weirder answer.
0: Well, I, now I don't know if you've been asked this or not, but you worked close with with Jim for quite a while, yes?
1: Yeah, about five years. Okay, and you got to know him pretty well. Very well. Yeah, we hung out. We we hung out as friends a lot while we were working, which was kind of what was great about working with him. Is he wasn't that's what everyone says. You didn't work for Jim. You worked with him. And then, so yes, okay. I mean, we were friends.
0: Now that leads to my next question, which, uh, and if this is something that you don't want to talk about, please feel free to, to, to say so. But do you, what do you think Jim would have thought of Disney buying the Muppets?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. People have asked that, you know, Jim was trying to sell them to Disney before he passed away. I and mean, that was the big deal that was happening, uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, Jim, was completely committed to selling the Muppets to Disney. As he said, everyone thinks that Disney owned them anyway, and they have the deep enough pockets and the, um, they know what to do with, to keep characters alive. So I know Jim wanted to sell to Disney cause he was doing it the last year he was alive. Um, the reason the deal fell through was the, uh, once he passed away, uh, the, the people at Disney tried to change the contract and the family was, was getting, um kind of a short end of a deal and you know kind of bad feelings all around i think disney's like well you know the guy we were we were buying the company and jim henson and now he's not involved so the deal's changing and i think the family was like that's not what it says on the paper so not to pick a side but i think um we'll just say the family prevailed uh and and you know held on to it and, and did great things with the the franchise for another 10 years Twelve years, and then they sold to a German company, and then the German <laughs> company sold back to the com- the family, and then they sold it to Disney. So th- that's the long answer. The short answer is, yeah, I think Jim totally wanted to sell to to Disney. Right oh, yeah. on. Okay. Michael that's Eisner, you know, Michael loved Jim and loved the Muppets. Michael wanted to buy the Muppets for a long time, and I think it was one of his last acts as CEO of Disney was to buy the Muppets. And then I th- literally bought the Muppets, and then within a year left Disney, or was I, I don't remember the the details if he left or was asked to leave or whatever, but I know his contract was up. And, uh, so, you know, Disney, uh, ultimately got them. But what I think it was kind of a, a, bumpy start because there wasn't anyone there after Michael Eisner left who really knew what to do or wanted to do something with the Muppets. It was more like, you know, who's taking over and what, what's Disney going to do. So we, found, we kind of foundered for a couple of years, uh, figuring out, you know, suddenly, we were this, you know, new baby that they'd adopted except the, the dad had left. Um, but, you know, now it's great. Uh, there's a, there's lovely people there. Debbie McClellan is, is the heart of the Muppets and she keeps, keeps that kind of um, core group together and, and makes sure that, you know, the, the Muppets do things that are Muppety and not just become, you know, stuck on lunch boxes. So, Thank, 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 uh, everyone should send thank you letters to Debbie McClellan for, for <laughs> the Muppets being as Muppety as they are and staying that way. Cause she's done an amazing job of, of, you know, against, you know, not all odds, but there's, you know, when a corporation pays a lot of money for a franchise, they don't necessarily, uh, have to do anything, you know, they could literally just stick them on t-shirts and, and make, you know, the Muppet, the Muppets go to, uh, you know, Christmas town and just make zappy little specials or something. And, and they're, they're not really beholden to anybody. So it's nice. They do tend to listen to, uh, some of the old, you know, the, 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 the Henson family, obviously were consultants and, um, and then, and Debbie's done a great job of, of keeping the the home fires burning with kind of the Muppet core group. So,
0: well, that's awesome. Now let's get a little dark here for a second and not in a bad way. You, um, you, dur- dirty. you dirty rat during, yes. a, during, uh, a, a, his first few, um, early music videos, you work with David Fincher.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. David, are good friends. We, we were the two youngest guys at ILM. And, uh, so we became friends at, at Lucasfilm. In fact, I started and he started about three months later and our mutual friend was Craig Barron, who, who ran them. We worked in the math department and ended up running the math department years later. Um, but Craig and Dave were roommates. And so I met Dave through Craig and then Dave and I became really good friends. And then, yeah, we formed a, after Jedi, he and I formed a production company in San Francisco to do rock videos. And we did a, a bunch of them with Rick Springfield and a few with Martha Davis in the motels. And then I moved to LA and then Dave moved to LA again within the year, not following me. He, he had made a great deal with what became propaganda films. Uh, and uh, he's done well, that little Davy Fincher. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, something about a house of cards? I don't know anything about that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He's,
1: I guess he's a gambler. No, he, <laughs> uh, he's great. He's What's funny about Dave is he's got such a great sense of humor, but he's also like the cool – he's just – it, it was great being friends with him, or it's great being but, – but back in the day, I was just this big goofball, and he was, he was so hip and cool and not in a pretentious – Self-conscious way, he just naturally is a hip, smart, cool guy. So you know, I became, I became the co- comedy sidekick just by by the process of um, genetics. Uh, but we <laughs> we were just two guys out trying to meet girls, you know, when we weren't at Lucasfilm making or ILM making uh, Star Wars movies, um, and we had a lot of fun. But yeah, so we we formed a little production company. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, Carol Stewart, became the producer. So the three of us were the the three amigos and, yeah, we had a company called Z street films because we couldn't, we had a hundred different fancy names and we just ended up with Z street because it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) It doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't conjure up that we're goofy or we're too serious or we're too expensive. You know, it's just, it's a name. We had to put something on the, on the letterhead. Uh, So yeah, we had it for about a year and a half, two years. And then uh, Dave moved to uh, LA. I moved to LA and then I started working on star Trek. I went, I went to UCLA for a year to learn computer animation because I was like, this is going to take over. And yeah. then uh, I got the job with Leonard Nimoy on, on Star Trek Four. So, and then at that point, Dave was doing Madonna videos, I think. So, yeah. He, so uh, I don't know why that's dark, but he does darker stuff. Yeah. It, yeah, that's was,
0: what I'm like. It's like it's like it's like you know the guy he, he uh, the guy who worked on you know Return of the Jedi made Seven.
1: Yeah, that's not that, weird. What's funny is I saw Fight Club and I he was very nice to invite me to the premiere and afterwards i walked out i said congratulations you made your first comedy because <laughs> to me fight club fight club is a dark comedy it's really funny i mean chuck palnick stuff is darkly funny and i think to me i saw fight club and i was just laughing you know at the at the darkness of it and then the darkness of the characters but it was a really smart cutting comedy in my mind and i think that's dave's sense of humor as he tries to I mean, you know, humor and scaring, making people laugh and making people scream are kind of two sides of the same coin as you're getting a reaction. And Dave, also being very smart, likes to get, you know, make people think, but also get a reaction out of you, whether it it makes you repulsed or scared or or horrified. Um, I think his movies are always trying to, you know, even if you look at the last one, um, Gone Girl. You know, it's it's (laughs) I told him it was another comedy, but it just had a one line punchline, which that's marriage. (laughs) But you watch that whole movie. And then at the end, she goes, that's marriage. I'm like, oh, my God, it's a one. You know, same thing. I thought it was. Well, it's a very, 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 very dark comedy with with one punchline ending. Um, But yeah, Dave's great. And 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 we're still pals. And he just got back from Pittsburgh shooting something. I haven't talked to him, uh, but he was there like almost six months.
0: That's a long time to be in Pittsburgh and not be George Romero.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I haven't uh, gotten the scoop on what he was doing or what it was like, but um, oh. I can't say enough. I basically say nice things about most of the people I work with, I guess. I've been very fortunate to work with great people. Except for
0: that bastard Frank Oz. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Frank's lovely. Frank's great. Frank's got a, a an edge in the sense of humor, which I think was great because it balanced. You know that He and Jim were like frickin frack and and i was you know unfortunately i didn't really get to work with them uh, too much together because frank had gone off and was doing like little shop of horrors which is an amazing film um especially for his first solo directing effort i think that wasn't a muppet movie uh to me you watch that it's like a little jewelry box it's like you know some kind of steampunk uh just watch it with the sound off and, and, and watch the editing and watch the, the, the pacing and the fran- – it's just such a great movie. Um, but yeah, so uh, Frank is great. Uh, the times I've gotten to work with him – actually, it was weird. The times I got to work with him was directing him because he was doing Piggy or Fozzie. And he was so sweet because he knew I, the first time particularly I was very nervous. And uh, he's a very warm guy with a very crusty exterior. I think he likes to play the uh, – you know, the – and yeah, crusty is the right word, but but sweet, funny guy, great. I mean, talk about comedy genius. I mean, he just when he's got a puppet on, you just let him go. As a writer, it's frustrating because you'll write these, uh you know, what you think are hilarious scenes, and he'll come in and cut two thirds of it. Not nah, too much talking, too much talking, and oh, wow. you're like, you monster, you. Ru-. And then he does something hilariously funny that gets the same idea across, and then doubles it. And you're like, all right, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you do what you do. Um Yeah. So I got to work with uh, Frank and Jerry Jewell, which which sort of an unsung or a lesser known name, but equally as important uh, with the Muppets. He was the first um, I think the first guy that Jim hired. And then um, it it definitely one of the first if not the first guy. uh, And he and Jim uh, and Frank and Jerry uh, Nelson were kind of the core Muppets all the way through the 60s into the uh, early 70s. Um, And Jerry became the head writer on The Muppet Show. Cause he built puppets and, and everybody did everything back in the day, but, uh, he moved into the writing and, you know, won Emmys for the, the Muppet show writing. And, uh, he was sort of my mentor for writing, uh, particularly for the Muppets. And he and I wrote treasure Island together. Um, and such a lovely guy and so sweet. And, uh, uh and he was very much also the heart of the, of the classic Muppet characters, I think. Um, right. but, uh, very fortunate to be able to work with him too. So kind of the, and obviously Jerry Nelson, Sadly, everyone's passed away except Frank, but um, uh, all great people and, and great mentors in, in all sorts of different ways.
0: Well, don't mention it. anybody else dying because 2016 still has a couple of weeks.
1: Jeez, you know, what a year, man. It's been I mean, just all sorts of bad things. I'm, I'm literally having a guy exterminate termites while we're on this <laughs> on this call. Wow. There's a that's... guy here. Yeah, I know. I was like, yeah, thanks, 2016. Um, yeah, getting in the end of the year, I find the termite little dust or whatever you call it in my in my bedroom like great i didn't even deal with it for a month i wanted to get through thanksgiving so uh luckily it wasn't it it literally was just over my it's but my bedroom ceiling like that's just weird i've wood paneled or wood yeah i guess it's paneling or planking on the ceiling and uh somehow termites got in there luckily i thought oh great if they're in the ceiling they've got to be everywhere but there's only two spots in the house but yeah thanks 2016
0: yeah that's that's messed up so now, folks, yeah. you've, got, you've got "Pigs in Space" coming up. People, people can subscribe to The Muppets on YouTube and watch uh, yeah. the episodes there. Um, and, yes, you may, and, and you, they, they should not. Yes, you may. Yeah. They will. I will yeah. force them to. Um, yeah. And if you want to follow Kirk on social media, it's at Kirk Thatcher. He's a writer, director, actor, and, <laughs> and creator. I added a couple extra errs for you. Uh, yeah. it, it's It's been an absolute blast having you on, sir. And I want to thank you. You're more than welcome to come on anytime you have pedal wares to pedal.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Well, hopefully this in 2017, I will have some either stuff to announce or things to pedal. Maybe just maybe even a Kickstarter. We'll we'll see.
0: Hey, as even if it's a bike, you want to pedal. That's fine, too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Thanks
1: a lot, Kirk. Hey, thanks. Happy holidays.
0: That was fun, wasn't it, kids? I think so. Of course, I'm a little biased. Don't forget to follow uh, me on Twitter at realronperty. Don't forget to uh, support the show on Patreon, patreoncom Of course, all of these links and more, uh, including my upcoming stand-up dates: uh, January 28th in Kenosha at Fusion, and February 25th at McCullough's Pub. In Racine, all that information is at ron that's the hub of information for everything, that's uh, all points lead there, so head over there find out all the information, and uh yeah the, the one will we will all be one with the world or something I don't know thanks for listening, everybody uh, don't forget to leave a uh review and rate the show on iTunes. Desperately, desperately need that kind of support. Uh, so feel free to do that. Screenshot your review once it's done and tweet it to me at realrom 4 And uh, I'll, I'll mention you in a, in a future episode. So how about that? That'd be kind of cool, right? If you're a fan of the show, if not, if you're just coming by here, it's like, well, do I care what this guy does? Huh? Anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.